I'm Alec Lace. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Welcome, everybody, to episode 543 of the podcast. I am happy, as always, to be here with you. Thank you for stopping by. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button. You do not want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood. All right, guys, the Major League Baseball playoffs are heating up, and today's guest knows a little bit about the World Series race. Jeff Nelson joins me on the podcast today. Jeff is a four-time World Series champion pitcher, winning four World Series with the New York Yankees. He played 15 years in the Major Leagues. Jeff finished his professional baseball career with a winning record after having pitched in 798 games. His postseason ERA is 265 in 54 innings pitched with 62 strikeouts. Jeff dominated many batters, including Troy Gloss, who was hitless against Jeff in 14 at-bats with 11 strikeouts. During his career, Jeff also played for the Mariners, the Rangers, and the White Sox. He is now a broadcaster and, of course, a first-class father all the way. I'm excited to have him on the podcast today. Jeff Nelson will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Jeff Nelson was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between the four-time World Series winner and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, if you enjoyed today's interview with Jeff Nelson and you are a baseball fan, you got to go back and check out some of the other Major League dads who have stopped by the podcast here, including Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Mike Piazza, Lance Lynn, Deion Sanders, Ross Striplin, Alex Avila, and so many others. Go through the archives of the podcast and check them all out. Be sure you stop by for tomorrow's podcast. We are closing out what has just been a phenomenal week of the podcast here uh, with legendary comedian Jim Brewer. So don't miss out on that. Make sure you follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the other upcoming guest announcements. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider hitting me with a rating or review. It always goes a long way to help me out. And as always, guys, please help me spread the word about the podcast. Every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list, let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Jeff Nelson. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. What's doing, dads? I've got two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class Fatherhood. First up, the NFL season is back and the stands are packed once again with fans the way it's supposed to be. If you plan on taking your kids, going with your family, or going with the guys to the game, save $20 on your tickets by going to SeatGeek.com or using the SeatGeek app and use my promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, First Class, and you're going to save $20 off your tickets. Okay, and secondly, you got to go to MyPillow.com and save up to 66% off using my promo code FATHERHOOD. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD. I'll tell you right now, their pillows are great, but their mattress toppers, their towels, their bathrobes are next level. You got to check them out. MyPillow.com, use the promo code FATHERHOOD, and you're going to save up to 66% off your order. All right, you got that, guys? SeatGeek, save $20 on your tickets, promo code over there, first class. My pillow promo code over there, fatherhood. All right, two ways for you guys to save money and support First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Jeff Nelson. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Great, thanks for having me. All right, let's uh, start it right here. How many kids do you have? How old are they? I have four girls, so they are soon to be 26, 24, 22, and 20. Wow. God bless you there. Yeah, I have four kids myself. We had three boys, then got our girl on the fourth try. If not, you know, we'd have four boys and we'd be going for that girl on the fifth try. But <laughs> we got her and that was it for us. 
Yeah, I wasn't trying for that boy. Four four girls was enough. I was going to have five. I was uh, probably going to keep going. <laughs> yeah, you'd have a whole uh, infield full of girls there. Exactly. What, what kind of sports activities were the girls into growing up? Well, they played volleyball, basketball. Uh, they danced a little bit. And, you know, I coached them through, I think, middle school, not in high school. Once they got into high school, they they stopped playing. But I coached them in basketball and each one of them. And then they got into horses. Like my youngest one's really into horses, really into anim animals. So I grew up around horses when I in Baltimore. And, you know, I got to get them into it. And they absolutely love it. Yeah, well, I, I just started my my daughter. She turned seven, and for her birthday, we started her with horseback riding lessons, and she's re really loving it right now. So uh, yeah. we're just getting into all that. So if you could, Jeff, please uh, just take a minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Well, I used to play Major League Baseball for 15 years. I played eight years in Seattle, six in New York, and I played a year in Texas and a year in Chicago. Uh, I split one year, 03, with, with the Mariners and the Yankees, so that's why I did, it didn't add up to 16. But now I do TV for the Marlins. I do a pre- and post-game. I also do some booth work for the Marlins with my sixth season. also do some things with the New York Yankees. I live here in Manhattan and also in Florida when I'm down there doing some games. And, you know, right now I love the city. It's starting to come back. And, you know, and I'm watching the Yankees, seeing if they can get into the playoffs somehow. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, obviously you've thrown a few pitches. You've had a tremendous uh, Major League Baseball career here, World Series champion four times over. Take me back, if you could, here, Jeff, to the beginning of your of your fatherhood journey. Then, about how old were you when you first became a dad, and how did becoming a father kind of change your perspective on life? Oh well, let's see. It was nineteen. I got married when I was twenty, so it was uh, probably don't recommend it. But it was, you know, I rec I got married when I was twenty. Didn't have my first child till I think. Let's see. It was 1995, so I was probably 28, maybe. And it was going, it was right when the Mariners, when I was in Seattle, the Mariners were going through a playoff run. And it was right at the end, right after we played the Yankees in the first division series, we beat them. And we had an off day before we went on to play Cleveland in the American League Championship Series. And that's when, that's when I had my first little girl, on October 13th in 1995. So, you know, I think having... You got to play. You're playing this big sport, right? You're supposed to be out on the mound. You're supposed to be, you know, look tough and mean. And you got to strike out these big guys and try to get them out in, in certain situations. And then all of a sudden, you have a kid, and you got to. You still have to have that mean persona or that that dominant persona. And then all of a sudden, you go home, and you're one of the most sen sensitive guys, and you start tearing up on certain things. So it really, uh, it really takes you back a little bit. It's, it's, you know, I had. My first one was born in 95, and then within the next five years, we had four, four, uh, four girls. And it's just one of those things because you're on the road all the time. You know, baseball from February till when I was with New York, it was the end of October. You don't get to spend as much time with them. Uh, you try to make up for time in the wintertime when you have off, when you're not playing. So it's constantly, okay, doing field trips, getting in their classrooms, you know, taking them everywhere. You know, there was times that they wouldn't I, I couldn't even go to the store and they're like, OK, Dad, we're coming. I'd have all four girls. I'd come out of Yankee Stadium and you'd have all four girls in your arms. Everybody wanted to be picked up and they never understood the baseball stuff. They, and, and, you know, they just sit there and they watch when people come up to you and they ask for your autograph or, or talk to you and say, Dad, do you know them? And I'm like, no, not really. Well, what are they doing coming up to you? So you have to explain that stuff. But it really humbles you a little bit. And it's just, you know, having children and I have four great girls. It's just, you know, it's the best, best time of your life.
Yeah, well said, Jeff. And I can't only imagine what it is uh, like for the sports athletes that go through this, because obviously you have to be focused and zeroed in. You have teammates counting on you. Uh, there's a lot at stake when you're doing that. And then all of a sudden you have this whole thing that throws everything emotionally off kilt there. So um, I always wonder how you guys balance that of uh, being high performing athletes and then becoming a dad. But um, you, you made some, some great points there. And, and, you know, one thing I do worry, wonder, too, Jeff, is I know with switching, uh, you know, teams, you, you know, getting uh, traded or, or signing with a new club. Do you have like a home base where the girls, you and the family would stay or when you got moved to from Seattle back to New York, did, like did you pick up and move to those different cities or do you have like a one location where they stay? Yeah, well, when I played in Seattle in 92, I, I, we decided to stay there and live there. So that was our home base. But the in 2000, my youngest started school. So that's when they started going back during the school year in Seattle and, and, and there. And that was a little bit tougher because then you're away from your kids starting in the middle of August all the way until you end. And I would see them every once in a while if we got into the playoffs and then they would come. But they traveled with me. They would go to spring training. If we were in spring training in Tampa, then they would go there and then they would hike it up to New York. And, you know, there for a while, they thought their home was a hotel, a hotel bed. So, you know, another great thing about having kids, it was so, I, you know, if you have a bad day on the field, you know, you come home and you instantly forget about it. You know, they don't they don't really care about how you did or how great you did or how poor, poorly you did. You know, they just want their dad around. And, and it's easy it's easy not to take work at home. Uh, and you know, it's easy to be around them because they make you forget about any any of the bad times and they make you forget about the good times too because they just they just want their dad around. They just want to play, they want to do whatever and be around you and it's it's a lot easier it almost, you know, it's funny because you see a lot of players when they have children, they wind up doing a little bit better in their career because they're not taking that that stress from the field home to their family. It's like you separate it. It becomes pretty easy for most people, I think, to separate that. And, you know, in 2000 is was the first year that they went back to Seattle because my youngest started kindergarten. And it was it was uh, it was a little tougher because you are away, and I only played six more years after that. But they would they would travel they would travel in the summer times. They would come down to spring training. Obviously, in school, we didn't want to keep moving them around. We wanted to keep them in one central area, and that was in Seattle. Yeah, wow, great stuff, Jeff. And, and then how about as far as you know, just having the four kids myself, and my wife and I going from uh, two to three kids was the most difficult transition for us. Uh, because our older ones weren't, our two older ones weren't able to do anything self-sufficiently yet. So that that first year with the three felt like one long day. Uh, what would you say as far as transition, which was the most challenging for you guys going from number of kids to which? You know, I don't know. It wasn't, it seemed to me it wasn't really a big transition. It was like, okay, you know, you have two, then you have three. And you know, I tried to spend equal time with them. And, you know, you know, you always wanted to make sure that one wasn't left out. Uh, but they were always around me all the time. If we went to on vacations, they were with their dad. They would, you know, they would have little uh, little schedules like, OK, two of them would sit next to me at lunch or breakfast and the other ones at lunch and then back to a dinner. So you always wanted to make them feel that they were just as important as the next. And so it wasn't to me, it didn't seem like it was a big deal. I mean, every they were so close in age, like my first two was 22 months apart. And then my last two were 18 months apart. So they were so close and they and it was so fast. It was like once you started having it, it was like, OK, and then all of a sudden I have to stop. But it didn't really seem like it was a big transition. It was actually really nice. Very cool. And what would you consider, Jeff, to be the top values that you hope to instill in all the girls while they were growing up? 
Well, you definitely, you definitely want to, I, my, my parents taught me respect and you know, you want to respect your elders. You'll be very polite, always, always please. And thank you. And always, you know, you know, be able to talk to adults properly, uh, you know, greet them properly. Always be, always be, I, I guess, uh, you know, satisfied with what you have, thankful for what you have. Uh, you always, you know, be a good listener, be patient. That's the toughest thing, especially with little girls, is trying to have them be patient because they always want something to happen yesterday. You know, it's it's like, okay, we'll take, just ease back a little bit. And be understanding with them because, you know, girls are girls are a lot more sensitive than boys. And, you know, they they take things a little more personal, I think, than maybe boys do. So it's you want. And also when they get older, you want them you want them have you want them to have and find a find a man or find find someone that they love that they respect and, and that respects them and, and honors them and, and, you know, treats them the way that they wanted to be treated. Yeah, and you kind of stole my thunder there, Jeff, because one, one of the things I'm not concerned, but I'm not looking forward to is, like I said, my only girl is seven, and I'm not looking forward to, I'm not in a hurry to get to that time where she starts hitting that dating scene. You got right. four times the, the worry there as of that. So how did you kind of approach that? What kind of advice, or how did you handle it when they finally got to become old enough to start dating? Well, it was, it was difficult. I mean, luckily, I only have one, one, my oldest one dates, but my youngest one has a, a boyfriend, and the other ones don't really. Uh, the other, my last two are still in college and, and they date off and on, but my second one is the one that has a boyfriend. You know, I think it was difficult in a, in, in a, a little bit, but at the same time, I think you had to make, you had to make them feel comfortable that they could go to you and tell you anything. You know, you didn't want to all of a sudden put tons of pressure on them and, you know, and you say, oh, I don't like that kid right away. What's he doing? I need to meet him. And, but you do meet them and you kind of say, hey, you know, I, you, you need to respect my daughter. You need to respect me and, and you know, run them through, run them through the mill. I had I had friends and, and they, they did the dirty work as far as, you know, scaring them a little bit. Say, hey, you better treat them right or, you better, or you're going to have to answer to me. So but it's I think you I, I think you take a step back because you always have to have boundaries, I think, you know, you know, especially with their boyfriends or, or because you don't know how serious it is, you know. You almost want to be there if things don't don't go the way that they hope, and you're like, okay, I'll just take a step back. He's a good guy, and my second one, his boy, her boyfriend, really nice kid. Uh, you know, he's got his head on his shoulders. Really nice. He's got a good job, and you know, my girls are tall. So the one prerequisite that I had is they had to be taller than my daughters. No little kids. I mean, my oldest one's six foot six one, and they go all the way down. They're all about five eleven to six foot. So, you know. You have to have somebody that's taller than you. Other than that, okay, then we can go from there. So yeah, that was uh, that that was the funniest part. But I think you just step back and you just let them know that hey, I'm here for you. I I, I think your your boyfriend's great, and you know sometimes if they're not so great, then I'll let them know, and they're gonna have to make the mistake on their own. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I, I'm kind of envisioning this myself. Uh, you know that I have three layers of protection with my three boys before yeah. it gets to me in the defense system there. So we'll see how it plays out. But exactly. listening to you guys that have been there and done that has definitely been beneficial to me throughout the process. So uh, still callousing my mind for for what what's to come here. You got a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, and, and then switching it over to the discipline portion here. Uh, well, one of the things I, I is difficult for me, not difficult, but my wife gets on me constantly is disciplining my daughter yeah. as opposed to disciplining my sons. I definitely. Um, and different the way I discipline my daughter and I, and I have to get better at it. My wife constantly reminds me of this because I give in way too easily. What type of disciplinarian are you uh, as a dad with the girls? And is that different than the discipline style you grew up with? 
Oh, definitely different when I than what I grew up with. Uh, you know, my, uh, you know, it was yeah. You couldn't do the things you do back then that you can now. Or back when when they uh, when my mom and I used to grow up. I mean, you just you. I think it was more of like timeouts. You know, I don't know. Maybe scare them a little bit. I mean, you never. I wasn't a spanker, you, you know, I, I, not that I didn't believe in that because I got that when I was young. I mean, you probably, I got branches across the legs if you can soap in the mouth and pepper and all that stuff. <laughs> You're almost okay. I, I'd rather have my mom, you know, get mad at me than my dad. And, you know, you wanted to make sure that they knew what they did was wrong. And, you know, now it's phones or, or it's games or it's something that they love. You kind of take it away for a while. And that then they re, they really don't like that. And you have a timeout. You sit them on you sit them in the on the chair and you, and you give them a certain amount of time. And no, especially young kids, they don't like to sit still. So that's tough for them. So they have to learn. So that was a little bit easier for me as as far as doing that. Uh, it's it's tough now, you know, to try to spank your kid or or do that. You know, that's that's a little that's a little tough. It, it's you know, some people do it, which is fine if that's how if that's how you want to discipline your children. But for me, it wasn't. It was more, you know, sit down. Let's let's discuss what you did wrong, and you're going to take a timeout, or you know what, you're not getting your phone today, or, or you're staying in for tonight. So, yeah. And what's crazy with that too, Jeff, is like when I've been in a situation where like I, I've spanked my my older kids, like when they yeah. were like, you know, before they were old enough to communicate and talk to them. Yeah. I always had this sense of guilt when I did it, like, and and I. I look back like my father had me when he was 50 years old. So he came from a totally different generation. He was born in 1930. So right. he never seemed to ever feel guilty about any of it. Maybe he did, but um, you know, I, I, I don't know how, so I, I've never been able to really fully get into that. And I do more of a, um, sometimes I hit them with like a deep Marcus Aurelius philosophy and they look at me yeah. like, I'm like, what are you talking about dad? You know? Yeah. So sometimes I'll catch myself in the middle of it. And sometimes just a little pat on the butt. I mean, it's just, it just scares them. I mean, it's not, you don't need to really whack them as hard as you can. A little pat on the butt because they did something wrong and they kind of look at you and say, uh-oh, you know, that's mainly, you almost want to just scare them just a little bit, you know, and that's about it. And then they kind of learn. Yeah. And each one requires a different discipline. Too. Right. I have one son, I could spank him all day long and it's not going to affect him. One kid, no. I could just threaten to spank him and that's enough to straighten him up. Exactly. So. And then and then bringing it into baseball here, Jeff, I know um, a lot of parents, I've heard both sides of the argument uh, as far as getting their kids into baseball. It's a 365 year game, a day a year game now where travel baseball, local baseball, they have so many different leagues. You could play it every day of the, uh, of the year. Um, is it good? What's your opinion? Is it, is it better to get the kids a little taste of every sport? Uh, should they concentrate fully on, on baseball all throughout the year? What, what's your take on that? Yeah, you know, it's really kind of a double-edged sport, sword because I've been involved in youth baseball for a number of years. I used to work for MLB.com, and we used to do baseball events and televise them and a lot of big uh, tournaments in Memphis and New York and kids from all over. And to hear the amount of games that these kids play during the year, it's almost like a major league season when they're playing well over 100 games, 150 games, or traveling all over. And if you have that son or daughter that's in that and, and playing year-round, you almost feel sorry for the rest of the kids because they're basically being drug along with them, with the parents. And, and it's an expensive sport. I mean, when you're playing year round, it becomes a really expensive sport. We never had that. You know, we played all year round. And I think it's better that way. You know, I like when you know, I see some of these kids that are from Texas to some of the big football, football states that, OK, hey, we're playing baseball. But once football starts, baseball's done. 
you know, and all of a sudden when football ends, basketball starting and, and they're hitting all three. And I think it benefits them because who knows how, you know, some parents think, okay, my kid's going to be the next Derek Jeter or whatever. So they think, okay, I don't, I don't, I'm going to get them all kinds of lessons and they may not be that great. They may be better in baseball. They may be, I mean, basketball, they may be better in football. You never know when these kids are playing one sport year round, you're not giving them that opportunity to branch out and do other things. And plus, I think now you're seeing a lot of injuries. Everybody said, oh, Tommy John, this and that. I think it's because these young kids are playing so much. And you're seeing more 12 and 13-year-olds in the in the physical therapy uh, rooms trying to get their arm right or their leg right or whatever because they're just throwing way too much. I like it when they're playing multiple sports. And if I had a, if I had a son, he would play a little bit of baseball, but he'd also play everything else. And on the other side, because they're, you know, when you have a coach that's saying, oh, you have to play on my team this, 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 you know, this time of year or in the fall. And if you don't, if you go play football, you might lose your spot. So that's pretty tough as well when you're having coaches put pressure on kids and parents as well. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a difficult, it's isolated to each individual kid, depending on what, I mean, I've seen it from coaching my kids. You do have parents that are like, they seem to be more into it than the kids are. And I right. think that creates a lot of the problems too. And I think you're right. We see the injuries. I think that comes, I was like that too. We played little league during the season and that was it. Little league was over when football. So I was one of those guys that transitioned yeah. to each sport. And I, I always enjoyed that growing up and I gave my kids a taste of everything else. My oldest one became a chess player. So you never know where it's going to end up leading. And you don't want them to hate the sport. You, you know, if you're forcing, like you just mentioned that sometimes the parents are a lot are into it more than the kids. Then they be, then they're going to wind up hating it. You, you know, they're not every every single car ride home. It's all about oh, you did this, you did that, you did this. Why aren't you doing this? And they're going to wind up hating the sport. And you know, you want them to love it. And and by playing multiple sports a year round instead of just one baseball twelve twelve months of the year, you know, they they all of a sudden decide for themselves what they really love. And you know, I really love ba- basketball. I don't want to play baseball, Dad. Or you, you know. So that way they get to choose and they get to see multiple and make more friends. You know, not everybody plays baseball, not everybody plays football or basketball. So you're getting to see a a whole different demographic of people and kids. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And I know right now you're, you're doing the broadcasting. What, what other kind of goals or plans what's coming up next for you here, Jeff? Well, you know, I keep waiting for the Yankees to make a move on their radio side so I can maybe slide in there. I've done some games on the radio for the Yankees in spring training. I, I don't have any affiliation with the Marlins, but they've given me the opportunity to be able to be on TV and, and broadcast their games. Uh, they're not they're going through a, a transition now. It's a really tough division. So they're they're not where I think they want to be as far as being in first place They're a last place team right now. But I'm a Yankee. I've won four, four World Series with them. I would love to do more here in New York and here with the Yankees. I do a podcast for the New York Post on Mondays and Thursdays. Just during the baseball season, about you know, so on the Yankees, we usually get Yankee fan. I mean, Yankee, you know, whether it's former players or actors or whatever that that are really passionate about the Yankees, and then they tell us a little bit about what they do. But you know, staying in the game. I mean, I love the game. I, I sometimes miss playing. I know I can't do it anymore. I think you miss the competition more than you miss anything else. But you know, just staying in the game and, and watching this game grow, and hopefully it gets a little bit better. It's kind of boring right now. You know, what's funny is we see a lot of these old time boxers coming back to the ring, like the Roy Jones, Evander Holyfield. We see these guys. I wonder yeah. if we could see that with the baseball. We start having the uh, the older league and get some of the guys back in there to play again. 
They may, but you know, you get you get hurt so easily now, and you don't heal. It takes you a long time to heal. I know I won't be one of those guys being on the field and coming on the field again. <laughs> all right, Jeff. Last thing I want to hit you with here. <clears throat> excuse me. Last thing I want to hit you with here. I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast. What type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? Well, I think patience, patience. I say patience is a virtue. You have to really be patient with your chil- children and, and your kids, and you have to be a really good listener. And if you're there and, and listening to them and, and you make them feel that they're comfortable, that they can come to you and tell you anything at any time. And, and you don't, you know, you, you kind of think to yourself, say, OK, I've done everything. There's no way they're going to be able to get away with anything or slide anything by you. You know, sometimes it happens, but you kind of hope that it doesn't, that they wind up coming to you first. And I think patience and just a great listener and be there for your kids is the most important. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. It's been an honor for me. I got to say, Jeff Nelson, you're a first class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on.